Welcome to The World in 10, where every day we bring you the best of the Times coverage from all over the world. I'm Rebecca Myers. And I'm Eleanor Shearwood. And today, a leading scientist has given a big warning about antibiotics. And we've got some slightly happier news to bring you as well. But there's only one place we can start today. When we arrived at the office this morning, the news was just breaking that Imran Khan, the former Prime Minister of Pakistan and also a former cricketer, has been arrested. It's after being sentenced to three years in prison. He was taken from his home in Lahore by police convoy. Yes, he's been charged with illegally selling state gifts while he was Prime Minister between 2018 and 2022. He denies the charges and his party says it's already filed an appeal with the country's Supreme Court. But this case is far from simple. There's a lot of history here. So Khan was elected in 2018 and then last year he was ousted in a no-confidence vote after he fell out with the military. Since he was removed, he's facing more than 100 cases against him. This isn't the first time he's been arrested. Any conviction would stop him from running for office again. And he says the charges are politically motivated. So his supporters aren't happy either. And they've been out protesting on the streets. There are clips like this all over social media. And Khan's told them that's exactly what they should be doing. So what you're hearing now is a statement which Khan recorded before his arrest. He's saying, I have only one appeal. Don't sit silently at home. I'm struggling for you and the country and your children's future. He goes on to tell his supporters to continue to protest peacefully until they get their rights. The most important one, he says, is the right to vote. He also says they can't just let one group rule the country. We've been hearing from his spokesperson, Raouf Hassan, who's claiming there is an ulterior motive to these charges. It's a premeditated hatchet job, uh, principally meant to keep him out of elections and all. But uh, it further reassures his victory. I mean, whether he's personally able to take part in the elections or not is immaterial in the sense, you know, that his, his, his ratings you know, are, are at an all-time high. He also gave us some insight into what this has been like for Khan. I was with him yesterday. He was... I mean, he's, he was as confident as, as, he, as he always is. He was exuding with confidence, you know, his deep set inner faith, you know, always comes to his, uh, comes to his uh, sort of aid and help. And uh, he, was, he, was, he was ready. For, he was, we, we knew that it was happening. It was going to happen today. And he was ready. He was ready for it. And he said, you know, well, fine, this is the next uh, level of battle that we have to wait and we should continue to wait it. And we shall ultimately emerge victorious, you know, from this, uh, from this uh, test. Now, while we were researching this story, the government made a broadcast statement too, saying this arrest is unrelated to these elections. And Pakistan's information minister saying this happened after a full investigation and proper legal proceedings in a trial court. The situation is evolving constantly, though. You can stay up to date on it by visiting thetimes.co.uk. Imran Khan's sentencing isn't the only one making headlines today. 
Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition leader who is already in jail, has been sentenced to a further 19 years in a penal colony. It's on extremism charges, which he says were fabricated by Putin. Yeah, he'll be put in brutal conditions, which include constant light exposure and a near total ban on all outside communication. This has been seen as too harsh even by some of Putin's allies, like former advisor Sergei Markov, who said it was too much. In a sentiment similar to Khan's, Navalny issued a statement after the sentencing, urging Russians to keep resisting the Kremlin. There's a quote on his Facebook which says, They want to frighten you, not me, and deprive you of the will to resist. Times Radio has been speaking to Vladimir Ashikov, the director at the Foundation for Fighting Corruption, and also a longtime ally and colleague of Navalny, and told us how he's staying so defiant. So we have a trickle of communications with him through a lawyer who visits him on a regular basis in uh, prison. So that's how he gets his message out and our team spreads it out in Twitter and other social media. And uh, he um, has been encouraging Russians to do uh, what they can to stand up to Putin's regime. I believe that uh, his regime goes more and more fragile. And this uh, aggression in Ukraine unleashed a year and a half ago only brings forward the end of Putin's dictatorship. His spokesperson, Kira Yarmish, says the end of that regime means only good things for Navalny. Alexei is in prison until Putin is in power. And yes, of course, all of us understand this. Uh, everyone understands that all these terms actually mean nothing because uh, we have to uh, put all our efforts in trying to get rid of Putin. And uh, this will mean that Alexei will be free. We have a fascinating interview on the Times website today with a world-famous surgeon and former British health minister who's warning about a silent pandemic that could be even deadlier than COVID. Luckily, he is also trying to prevent it. Yeah, this is Ara Dazi, and he's talking about antibiotic resistance, which is already killing 1.2 million people a year. But in five years' time, he's set to open a new centre in London. It's called the Fleming Centre, and there they'll conduct research into this resistance, which is one of the greatest challenges for modern medicine, as well as highlighting the threats of things like superbugs, which can't be treated. Darcy says that by 2028, the same year the centre opens, there will be as many people dying of infections that are resistant to antibiotics as people who died from those before the discovery of penicillin. He's worried that we could end up in a scenario where we don't have antibiotics to treat an infection, like recently with tuberculosis infections that are resistant to everything. He's also persuaded Prince William to be a patron and says his support will help them have a major global impact. Now, we've been hearing from Chris Dowson. He's a professor of microbiology at Warwick University and explained why this work is so important. Antibiotic resistance is a little like global warming. It's something we've known about for a very long time and it's very hard to persuade people to really engage and deliver on it. And part of the reason for that is there isn't really a patient voice uh, antibiotics are really effective. If you take them, they work, they save my life, and you get on with your own life. Uh, and there's n no one there to really say there's a problem because I've got antibiotic resistance. And so there's the lack of the patient voice, there's a the lack of the advocacy to government to really wrestle with it.
Now we have a very heartwarming story for you. And Finally. I love this one. Yay. <laughs> Some good news. So performing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is a big festival up in Scotland for the arts and, and for comedy, for theatre, it should be one of the highlights of a comedian's year, an exciting moment to showcase the work you've been doing. Um, but for Georgie Greer, it ended in tears after only one audience member turned up for the first performance of her one-woman show on Thursday. Yeah, so Georgie posted a photo of herself crying on Twitter looking for any reassurance. And she got it. She got so much. Professional comedians commented, sending their stories of similar experiences. Like Jason Manford, he's a huge UK comedian. Here's what he said about his fringe experience almost 20 years ago. Oh, it was such a slog and I was out in the rain and I was flying and people weren't coming and I just, I got total imposter syndrome. How much is this costing me? What am I doing here? Look at all these amazing people. How embarrassing that these people haven't, t- nobody's turned up. But you know what? You're on the path and it's just a start. That's all. And tomorrow will be better and next week will be better. Next year will be even better than that. Turns out she didn't need to wait that long, though, because last night her show sold out. Yes, and Georgie said she never expected such a reaction and she was just happy knowing she'd probably have more than one person in the audience from now on. Before we go, today the first two teams have qualified for the quarterfinals of the Women's Football World Cup, Japan and Spain. They really did it in style as well. Japan beat Norway 3-1 and Spain cruised past Switzerland 5-1. Now, if you're as invested as we are, there's a predictor on the Times website which is definitely worth having a look at. Absolutely. I think I got it with England winning. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for today's World in 10. We'll be back tomorrow.